your Bibles to Acts chapter 14. So there might be one in front of you, or if you want to use your, uh, your phone or your tablet. I'm wearing uh, shorts today here for the first time. Um, hope it doesn't put you guys off. It's pretty hot now. And yesterday was really hot, so yeah, hope it's going to be okay. Um, so Acts chapter 14, I'll pick up in verse 21. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And as, we, uh, as we've been learning, and Paul and Barnabas, they're on this journey, right? Their, their first missionary journey. They're traveling to different cities. They're spreading the good news, and, and it hasn't been easy for them. But they've also seen a lot of fruit. Uh, so I'm just going to read, follow along with me in verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, you can just listen to me. So it says this. They preached the good news, meaning Paul and Barnabas, in the city and won a large number of disciples. And then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had, pla- had, the, in the, in whom they had placed their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to uh, Pamphylia, and when they had reached uh, the word in, in Perga, they went down to Atalia. Wow, that's a lot of cities with uh, strange names. And, and from Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all, the, uh, all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Right, so as we, yeah, as we see they're traveling and sharing, there's just a couple of cities just from this passage alone, and they're sharing the message of hope and love and, and a message that brings joy to people everywhere. But we see that they were uh, met with great resistance at Lystra, where Paul, he was dragged outside the city, and he was almost stoned, where moments earlier, they were praised as gods. Right? They, were, they, they thought that they were the gods. They were Zeus, and um, you know, they were the god of uh, uh, the Mercury, and, and they thought that they're disguised as humans, so that they're like, oh, we don't want to anger the gods this time like our ancestors did, so uh, let, let's worship them, let's give them honor, and, and they're gonna, they brought the priest of you know, the Zeus temple, they brought out a bull to sacrifice and all these things. But then now, you know, after hearing the good news and, and their minds are poisoned by the, by the Jewish people who came from other cities and, and they dragged Paul outside and they nearly stoned him to death. It's really a miracle that he was still left alive. But despite this, they continued to be on mission for God because they knew something. They had a truth, right, which was the gospel, that radically changed their perspective on life. Right? It was so important that they returned to the cities where they were persecuted. They actually returned to them. They took that risk. They returned to them. So what? Or so that they could strengthen and encourage the disciples there. Right? At the risk of their own lives, they returned to the cities that tried to kill them. And, and, but for what? Right? Why did they return? And we see that it says... In, in, uh, in verse 20, uh, 22, it says, um, they, re- uh, they strengthened disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. 
to remain true to the faith. And when we read this, it should make us question. But what does it mean to remain true? What does that mean? What does it re- mean to remain true? So the verb remain here, it means to persist in a state. Right? To, pers- uh, to, to persevere, right? In, to stand by, to continue. So a, a friend called me this past week, and, and he was like, um, you know, I hope this is a good time to talk. Uh, I, was, I was actually wanted to wait till Friday to, to talk to you about this, because we were, we were supposed to meet up on Friday um, to have dinner together. And he was like, oh, yeah, um, but I, just, I, couldn't, I can't wait until Friday to talk to you about this. And then at that moment, I was like, oh, man, this, is, this must be really serious. Like, I hope he's okay. I hope nothing's really you know, wrong or something like that. Um, and then I was holding my breath, and then he was like, Phil, um, I wanted to ask you something if uh, you would be one of my groomsmen for, for our wedding. And then I, then I breathed a sigh of relief. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, like, yeah, everything's okay. You know, no one in his family is injured or, you know, he's not in a danger or anything like that. Um, and, then, and then I was like, man, that's, that's great news. That, that's wonderful news, right? Uh, I know many of you, uh, you guys here uh, are married or uh, you, you have children now, and um, it's, it's wonderful. Like, uh, and I, and I was at his engagement party just roughly two months ago, so, you know, I saw him, you know, him and his, and his fiancée in the ring, you know, and they were telling their story about how he proposed and, and how she said yes after, well, I think they actually, like, did it three times because they had to pick, like, a better scenic place to pick to do the proposal or something like that. But, you know, they proposed and all that, and that was, that was wonderful. And, and as, as I saw him and his fiance and as I heard about this news, I was like, man, they really love each other. And they want to remain with each other for as long as they live. And that's really, really beautiful. They want to stand by each other, right, what, through thick and thin. Through anything that happens, they want to be with one another so that's, that's, that's an idea of what it means to remain true to something. Okay? Remain true to something. And then next we want, to, we want to wonder, okay, well, what kind of faith are they remaining true to? Because right? it says to remain true to the faith. Or what kind of faith are we talking about here? So the Greek word used here for faith is pistis. And that can also mean faith, but also means a, a firm commitment. Firm commitment. You guys ever made any firm commitments in your life? Like, I don't know. I don't know. If, uh, New Year's resolutions? I don't know if those can be considered firm commitments because usually we break them in like the first week, right? But, you know, any firm commitments, right? Maybe to your, to your school or to your work or to your family or maybe to yourself. Like, this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, right? So here is a firm commitment. And what we need to realize is that they're in the city of Antioch right now. And the believers here were first called what? Christians, right? What, is a Christ, what does Christian mean? Because we use it all the time now, but it's only uh, used three times in the Bible. But what, is Christ, what does the word Christian mean? Anyone, anyone else? What, is, what does the word Christian mean? We use it all the time, right? Anyone? Is that a, is that a hand? I see a hand there. No? Yeah, Christian, tell us, what's, your, what's the meaning of your name? A believer of Christ. Okay, so someone who is devoted to Christ. Right? Someone who follows Christ. And these people, 
Yeah, his name, his name really is Christian, for, for those of you guys who don't know Christian. But yeah, his name really is Christian. And for, yeah, for these people there, they got this name, not from other believers, but they were given this name by people who were not Christians. They, they saw these group of people that followed Christ, and they're like, huh, those are Christians. And it wasn't really like, yeah, they didn't choose that name for themselves. And that's what it meant. So Paul and Barnabas, what they're doing here is, is that they're telling them to remain true to the faith that they believe, to remain true to that, to, to, to what they're called to be, to their devotion to Jesus. And, and next year, you know, when, uh, when, when at the wedding of my, my friend, and um, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to witness, right, they're, they're going to they're probably be holding hands, or they're going to be looking each other in the eyes and in front of all these witnesses gathered together, right, and then they're going to they're share their vows, your vows. And I'm just going to read to you um, a sample of a vow. It's, uh, I, I shared this, this book on my Instagram post this, this past week. Um, yeah, I have Instagram. I don't really use it much. But this, is, this book's called Date Your Wife. It's by Justin Buzzard. Date Your Wife. And in it, he shares um, his, his vow that, that he gave to his wife, Taylor, when they got married. This is, this is in 2003. Okay? 2003. He says... Uh, he says this, okay. He says, I, Justin, take you, Taylor, to be my wife. And I promise before God and these witnesses to be your loving and faithful husband. So for the of you guys that don't know, Justin, he comes to our church to preach once a month. And, and, and I meet with him every single week. You know, he, he helps me to, to, you know, to, to lead better and to be a better pastor here. Um, so, so this is kind of like a little... Uh, you know, snapshot, sneak peek into his life. Um, and you could, you could buy this on Amazon. So first and foremost, I'm not trying to do any advertisements here, but yeah, you could buy this on Amazon. Okay, so first and foremost, I vow to glorify God by pursuing my life and join Him. I vow to put Jesus' model and lay down my life for you. I vow to put my needs before my, uh, your needs before my own. I vow to pursue what is best for you. I vow to be a humble, strong, wise, and patient communicator. I vow to lead our union with strength, courage, truth, and passion. I vow to appreciate you, fight for you, protect you. In plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both live. And when he was saying this, he writes in his book that he was sweating. Like he, was, he was sweating when he was saying this. Like He was nervous. Like it's like, these are really like, strong commitments, right? Like, these are things that you're saying to someone that you, that you need to follow through on. And, and, you know, and these are things that you're promising someone that, that you're saying that you're going to love for the rest of your life. I think he was sweating. And then this is, this is how his wife, Taylor, uh, responded. This is her vow to him. It says, I, Taylor, take you, Justin, to be my husband. And I promise before God and these witnesses to be your loving and faithful wife. I vow to love the Lord our God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind and with all my strength. I vow to praise God throughout my life for his generosity in giving you to me as my lifelong partner in adventurous love. I vow to honor you with my words, my actions, my thoughts, and my hearts. I vow to grip your hands strongly and affectionately. I vow to turn my heart inside out and offer you full exposure to all that it contains. Never will I hide. Always will I sprint to you. I vow to confess Grieve, 
feel your pain and vigorously work towards a deeper selflessness when I fail to love you well. I vow to love you with freedom and abandon, with laughter and sweetness, with energy and passion, in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both will live. It's like, whoa, that's, wow, it's like poetry right here. So this is, this is good stuff, right? When we, when we read this, we're like, yes, like, please, like, continue to do that. Continue to, to keep your commitments to each other. But then we know that times of difficulty will come, right? That's what, it's, that's what it says. Like, I will continue to do these things despite whatever happens. And that's why we, 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 uh, we call it the honeymoon period, right? The honeymoon period. Uh, things are going well for, for a certain amount of time. Everything's good. And then, you know, the, the first big conflict happens, first big argument or something, you know. And then you got to, it's not so, like, pretty anymore, right, in, in a sense, for that time. You know, and there, there might come a time where, you know, someone may need to remind my friend um, that, hey, these are the vows that you made to her. Or remind her, this is, these are the vows that you made to him, right? We, we need to be reminded of those things. And as Christians, we say this. We say what? This is what we believe. This is our faith. This is the Christian faith. We sang it in the song, right? This, uh, the Apostles' Creed, or this is, uh, this is what I believe. Um, this is what we believe about the Christian faith. We say that Jesus is my Lord, He's my master. Right? I love him because he first loved me. Right? He came and he lived a perfect life that I could never live in. In a messed up world and he died for my sins. Right? He forgave my sins. And uh, he, he died, but he didn't just stay dead in the grave, but he rose again. He truly is God. And, um, and, if I, wanna, and I want to follow God, this, this God who loves me. And this is, this is our commitment to, to God, right? This is, this is what we say when we're a Christian. This is what the Christians in Antioch said. This is what they believed. And, and Paul and Barnabas are reminding them of this. But very quickly, we'll realize that following Jesus is it's hard. It's hard. And we can be honest about that. Following Jesus is hard. Oh, yes, we are forgiven. Right, the moment we repented and, and we asked that, you know, Jesus, would you come into our lives and, 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 and be in control? Right, but however many disciples of Jesus, they walked away when Jesus' teachings became too hard. Many of them walked away. Jesus had, I mean, we, we usually think about, oh, Jesus had 12 disciples, right? But he actually had way more than them. Right? There was a time when he sent out, you know, the 70 uh, to, you know, to, 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 to share the, the mission. He had a lot of followers. But as his teachings became too difficult to accept, they slowly began to walk away. Our culture around us tells us to live for ourselves, right? Live for ourselves. Silicon Valley tells us to put ourselves first. Justin talked about humility last week. What does humility look like? You know, Disney, it says, follow your heart. The world says, do whatever makes you happy. Right, look out for number one, right? And the world around us tells us how to live our lives, how to enjoy life. And it tends to often be a distortion of what is good. Not saying that there isn't good in this world, but a lot of it is distorted. So I want to ask you today is, and, and to examine for yourself in your own life, what, 
What teachings of Jesus found in the Bible, what teachings in the Bible do you find too difficult to accept? Too difficult to accept. Is there something that you're just like, man, that, that's a deal breaker for me? Or it's just, it's really hard. It's really hard. What in your life pulls you away from your devotion to, to, to Jesus? What pulls you away from your devotion to Jesus? Because if we're honest, we all have at least one thing. At least one. Honestly, we have way, way more. Anyone familiar with the, the story um, when Jesus encountered the rich young ruler? Yeah. Familiar with that? It's actually found in the, uh, the books of uh, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's probably very important. So in the story, I'm just going to read it and from the version in Mark. It says this. Uh, chapter 10, verse 17. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud on your father and mother. And then he's like, teacher, teacher, I have kept all these things, I'm a boy. Yada, 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 yada. I kept all these things. Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he says, Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. But the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Right? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So here's a man who came to Jesus believing that he was good enough to be saved. He deserved to be saved. He kept all the commands since he was a boy. So Jesus, he begins to list part of the Ten Commandments and, he, and, then, and as we see, this, this, this man, he actually wasn't perfect. You see, this man, he had a lot of wealth. He was a rich young ruler. He was probably a local prince. And he was very wealthy. Wealth is not a sin. Okay? To have wealth is not a sin. We'll see that many, many uh, uh, people who love God and many people in the Bible, they were very wealthy. Abraham was very wealthy. Right? David, King David was very wealthy. King Solomon was very wealthy. There's a lot of wealthy people. Being wealthy is not, is not a sin. But being wealthy, it, 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 it can be dangerous. That's what we see here. It got to the point where this, 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 this man, he would rather die with his wealth, die with his gold, than live with God. Because his face was saddened and he turned away. <clears throat> wealth can be good, right? Wealth can be used in different organizations, right, for the good of others. Right, for, for education, for health benefits, and all these things. It could be very good. And Tim Keller, he gives this quote. He says this. He says that, We think that idols are bad things, but that is almost never the case. Right, the greater the good, the more likely we are to expect that it can satisfy our deepest needs and hopes. Anything can serve as a counterfeit God, especially the very best things in life.
especially the very best things in life. And Paul and Barnabas, they knew all too well how vulnerable we all are to go back to the life that we once lived. Or for the believers in, in, in these cities, in Lystra, and Iconium, and Antioch, they weren't living in a bubble. Okay? It's not like they just became, they became Christian, and then now they live in this bubble. They're just surrounded by only Christians, and, and all their dealings are only with Christians, and you know, they're just secluded from the outside where they're just isolated. No, right? they weren't living in a bubble. They were still surrounded by paganism, by idolatry. Right? Probably outside their cities are probably still temples uh, to different various gods and stuff like that. Um, the people that they deal with on a day-to-day basis probably have very, very different beliefs than them. Right? Some of them still had ties to their Jewish heritage, with all, with, which comes a lot of baggage, which we're going to learn about in the next chapter. So I want to ask you guys, what do you tend to go back to when you feel yourself straying away? What kind of counterfeit gods do you go back to? Do you know what idols you're prone to worship? So I want to share with you guys... Um, four root idols. Um, this, is, this is what Justin shared with me as we spent our time together. He shared four root idols, okay? So see if you can identify with any of these. All right, the first one is control. Control. So you know you have a control idol if your greatest nightmare is uncertainty. You know you have a control idol if your greatest nightmare is uncertainty. I think this is, this is the one that I struggle with the most. What, what's going to happen uh, the, you know, the next month? What's going to happen next year? Or where am I going to be? Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, like, oh, I have all these plans, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and I can't figure things out. You know, and, 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 we, and we struggle with that. So what do we do? We, 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 we do something that, that gives us, that, that we feel like can give us certainty. We do something that can give us certainty for our future. And we, and we chase after that. Second one, approval. You know that you have an approval idol if your greatest nightmare is rejection. If you fear rejection, so you do all these things so that people would accept you. Chase after things, you fill your life with things that, you, that, that would hopefully make you more accepted by people. And then you start to care less and less about what God thinks, and more and more about what other people think. Third one is comfort. Right? If, if you know you have a comfort idol, if your greatest nightmare is stress and the demands of life, the demands of other people, the demands that you give yourself. You don't want to be stressed out. So, so you, you want to live a comfortable life. So you do everything in your power to, to obtain that. Power is the last one. You know you have a power idol if your greatest nightmare is humiliation. What do people think about you, right? You, you, you want to be powerful. You don't want to let yourself be hurt. You, you want to be up there. You want to, you want, you want to, you want to hold that. So I'm not sure if any of these things resonated with you. But what kind of things do you, do you go back to when it's too hard to follow Jesus? What kind of things pulls you away? So the last thing I want to talk about is this. What does it look like to remain true to the faith now? What does it look like? What's a snapshot look like? Well, it looks something like this. And Paul and Barnabas, they, they say this. It says, 
We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Another way to trans- uh, translate uh, we must is it's necessary. So life as a Christian is not void of hardships. That's what we learn here. So if you're thinking that if I become a Christian, then everything's going to be good, you know, everything's going to be like smooth sailing for the rest of my life, you know, I'm never going to get any difficulties and, and um, you know, I'm not going to suffer at all, no pain, uh, nothing like that, <laughs> then that's, that's not uh, the, the life that, that we see written here for Christians. You see, Paul and Barnabas, they knew this. They actually lived this. As we read about their journeys, they actually suffered quite a bit. They're persecuted. And we see that what they're trying to say to, this, to the people at this church is this, is that, you see, not only are missionaries persecuted, not only are missionaries suffering, right, not only do our pastors or full-time you know, ministers or, or elders or people in leadership at church or something like that, not only are those people suffering, not only are those people persecuted, but you're going to be persecuted too if you live your life as a Christian. You're going to face that too. Anyone who calls themselves a follower, anyone who bears the name of Christ in their life, is going to face that. And if we're being honest, a lot of views, um, uh, Christian views, are not popular in this world. I'm just going to list a few, and there's a lot more. Uh, first, what about uh, a person's sex, right? Person's sex. There's, there's man and woman, right? In the beginning, God created man and woman. And that's not a very popular view, especially in the Bay Area, right? Another one, marriage. Marriage is something that God created, which is a beautiful thing, right? But, and it was, in the beginning, it was created, what, for one man and one woman. That's not a very popular view here. What about, what about sex? I'm not talking about, not talking about you know, uh, male or female now, but you know, that the act, right, of intimacy and, and, and love reserved for married couples. That's also not a very popular view, right? You just turn on the TV, and you just, you just see like, okay, okay. Well, so they go on the first date, and then they're like in the bed together now. Right? And that's, I guess that's, supposed to, that's what, how love is supposed to work or something, or relationship is supposed to work, you know? Like, that's not a very popular view. In other words, what? Jesus being the only way? So what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that, that everyone else, what they believe is wrong? Like, isn't that really arrogant to say that? To say that Jesus is the only way means that, that everyone has to believe in this, in, in this Jesus, and not other things? Like, what about, what about my friends who are really good people um, who believe in something else? Like, they don't, they don't get to go to heaven or something? Like, that's very offensive, right? A lot of these things are quite offensive to people. In any one of these topics, it can spark a fire, right? It gets very heated. I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm reading online and stuff like that, and man, the comment section, you just get really nasty so quick, right? And as a believer, you may be hated, or you may be called a bigot, or you may be called um, someone who is not tolerable. You, know, you, may call, you may be called someone who doesn't love other people. You may be called someone who, you might, you might be mocked, you might be isolated, but Jesus knew this because it happened to him first. In Matthew 10, 22, it says, Jesus says this to his disciples. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
You will be hated by everyone because of me. Right? Christians were devoted to who? To Jesus. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see how similar um, these words are. It says, in, in Acts it says, remain true to the faith. Right? We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. To enter the kingdom of God. Right? To stand firm to the end will be saved. These, it's very, very similar here. Does that mean we're never going to fail, though? Does that mean we're never going to fail? Like, yes, I, d- I decided right now, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to follow Jesus, and now, now I'm never going to fail, and everything's just, like, just, it's just going to work out. Right? No, it's, we're not going to never fail. We, we see in the, in the book here is that, you know, Christians, we need this encouragement. We need this strengthening. We need this. If we didn't need this, then they, would, they wouldn't have need to have written this, right? But what do we do when we fail? Right? When we fail to resist our temptations and sins, when we, when we slip up, or when we mess up, what we do is that we return to the gospel message. Or we return to that faith. We repent of our sins and we run back to Jesus. We run back to Jesus and turn away from what pulls us away. Our Jesus, he endured all suffering and he's with us. This Jesus, he truly understands you. Do you believe that? He truly understands you. He knows what you're going through. And in fact, he's actually interceding for you right now. He's working on your behalf. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. And I hope that as we spend time together on Sundays, as you guys spend time together on other days, as you guys chat and hang out and when you go out for coffee or boba or whatever, grab dinner, that you guys would be able to encourage each other, right? To remind each other of this faith that you guys all believe. You know, my, my guess is that in our lifetime, we're going to at least encounter one friend or someone that we know that is just really questioning their faith. Is this really what I want to do with my life? Is this really what's important for me right now? Um, I just want to do other things, you know? Like, it's too restricting or it's just too hard. You can be there for them. Maybe, maybe it's going to be you. Maybe it's going to be me. Right? We all need this encouragement, this strengthening that comes from each other right, through God's word where we remind each other of what we believe. For me, I participate in a monthly um, pastor's fellowship where like, about up, up to, up to you know, 30 of us um, might gather together and we just we share, we talk about what's going on in our lives and we pray for one another. And, we, and I think that's just it's a really powerful time to just see different pastors uh, just share so openly about what they're going through. I find that I found that so refreshing, because it shows that man how much encouragement we all need. You know, uh, Pastor Ben who comes um, to preach, he probably comes about like every three months or four months or so. He comes, he's, he's a youth pastor at Hawk One, um, and he works with young adults too. But we usually call each other up or text each other once a week, and just to, just kind of have a sweet time to just catch up and see how we're doing. You know. How's our soul doing? 
So I want you to think about someone you can encourage this week or this month. Someone who you could, you could really strengthen with, with, the, with the Word of God. Someone that you can care for. Right? It, it can, it's simple, right? These days it's really made simple to us, right? We have telephones, you know, we have cell phones, we have the internet, we have computers, you know, we, we have cars. Right? It's, it's, it's easy to do that these days. I just want you to let you know this, that, you know, if you ever need to talk to anyone, um, I'm available. Uh, Elder Jerry, he's not here today, he's on a business trip, but if you want to talk to Elder Jerry, he's available too. Uh, next week, we're going to really talk about more about eldership. So, Elder Jerry, like, what's his role here in our church? Um, and I just want you to let you guys know that we do need encouragement, okay? So, anyone that says, like, you know, you can just, just like, you're, you, you can have, you can just be unwavering and, and you can just be super strong by yourself. No, right? We need each other, right? We need God. So, um, I want you guys to just really think about today, you know, what are some of the things that pulls us away from God? What are some things that we chase after that pulls us away from our devotion to God? And how can we encourage other people? Maybe think about how you would like to be encouraged. How can you be strengthened um, as we continue to learn what it means to follow after Jesus? Um, would you please just bow your heads and pray with me and the worship team can come forward and um, we're going to do the offering to, and as we sing the last song together. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, you are truly a, a God uh, who loves us. A God who is, who is powerful and able to save us. But Lord, living in this life here and now, it can be hard. It can be difficult to, to, to live for you. There's so many things in this world that, that we just might have a desire to go after. It could be a good thing, Lord, but it could also become a bad thing. So would, would you strengthen us through your word that we would be reminded daily what, what we need to do and how good it is to live in, in, in your ways. How, how loving you more and more every day Lord, is, is, an, is an awesome thing that brings greater joy than anything else this world has to offer. Lord, could you continue to do your work in us, your sanctification in us? Or would you um, help us to have a desire to, to chase after the good things in life that you have in store for us? Or would you use us uh, as encouragement to other people would you use us to strengthen other people? Because that, that's what we are as a church, as a, as a body of, of broken people that, um, that, that, that need each other and that we need you surrounded and centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, or would, would this place, would this church become a place like that? Would we remain and continue to be a place like that? And would, you, would your work, your good and, and wonderful work be done in us? And we pray all this in the name of Jesus.